0: Listening to the Magnet Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I am your host Louis Kornfeld. My guest today is my close personal friend, uh, 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 wow. uh, one of the key figures at the Magnet Theater. You know him, you love him, Mister Quentin Loader. Quentin, thanks for talking, buddy. Hey,
0: my pleasure
1: uh uh quentin uh, uh has performed for many years with my team the boss uh, as if it was my team as if i didn't join your team uh, it's, uh, uh hey, our, it's team, our team the boss um before that he performed with a uh, baby in a corner which we'll talk about in a little bit uh uh he's one of the general managers at the theater operating a, a facility manager all kinds of wonderful stuff quentin loader folks quentin
0: Oh, please, everybody, sit down. Yeah. Sit down. This is too much.
1: All right. This is a weird place to start because it has nothing to do with your history or the theater, but we were just in the middle of a conversation about Irish pubs. You said you have a great Scottish pub story. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I fell in love with pubs. I was in Ireland this week. I mm-hmm. went to a bunch of pubs, fell in love with them, man. I, I'm, I was born to be in Ireland. I was born in the wrong country, man. Pubs are the best. Yeah. And yeah. totally different than an American bar, or, and certainly different than an Irish bar in America.
0: Oh, completely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to move to Ireland, I'm ready for that kind of commitment. I'm thinking about it. Let's do yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Done. Uh, yeah. No. So I was in Scotland um, for, I don't remember how long it was. It was for a while. But uh, at the tail end of it, the person that I was staying with there decided as a farewell gift, she was going to put me up at a, uh, a bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere, Scotland. And so she drives me up to this place. We're probably three or four hours north of Glasgow. Hmm. And she puts me at this castle. The, the woman who runs the place came up to me not long after my friend Tracy had left. And she asked me, uh, she's like, well, I have to wonder, what, what are you doing for dinner? I saw your friend left. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure out something. And she's like, there's, there's nothing within half an hour of the castle. And no offense, but you're not welcome at my family's dinner table. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, I get that. Sure. Uh, who would want an obnoxious American tourist? <clears throat> so uh, she made an offer to drive me half an hour to the small town uh, so that I could get some food. And after she was going to be done with her family dinner, so they had their dinner. Uh, I wandered around the yard. She came and got me we drive half an hour in one direction now keep in mind this castle is like on one side was a two-lane highway on uh, the other side running parallel to the highway was uh, an inlet to the Irish Sea so we end up driving 30 minutes uh, what would it be it'd be east go to some small town everything is closed down it's probably eight o'clock at night everything is shut down so she big, heavy sigh and agrees, OK, there's one other place I can take you. It's 30 minutes past the castle the other way. It'd be
1: so much easier to just
0: invite you to her family dinner table. Right. Well, I don't know why she didn't. Yeah. Uh, who wouldn't want this guy at the <laughs> table? So she drives me an hour uh, to this this house in the middle of nothing. It's just right off of this two lane highway. There's not even a real parking lot um we pull in we're the only car she stops she goes go up there and make sure that somebody's there and everything's great so I go up I open the front door it turns out this is a restaurant slash pub and uh and I holler in hello and I get a hey just get a table we'll be there in a second so I come out tell her hey everything's great she's like okay just call me at the house when you're ready to go it's fine if it gets super late and I'm freaking out because I'm in a house in the middle of nowhere. It's nine o'clock now in Scotland. And uh, and I don't know where the hell I'm at. You're in the country. I'm in the country. It's I'm, dark. It's really fucking dark. Yeah. So she takes off and leaves. Um, I sit down at uh, this big, heavy, dark wooded table with the pitted copper top on it. And there's a, there's a, a wood burning pot belly stove over in the corner that's got the place hotter than it probably should be. Uh, it was gorgeous, just, I mean, truly candlelit place, and I'm the only person in there. Uh, I sit down, I order this amazing steak dinner uh, and a couple of beers, and I'm just really enjoying myself. When forty, fifty Irish fishermen kick in the front door and burst into the place, start ordering beers for everybody. They start picking me up putting me on tables, teaching me fishing songs. I don't know what the hell I'm singing. Uh, We proceed to just get hammered drunk. I walk out of the, I'm I'm realizing it's one o'clock in the morning. I still have to call this poor woman to come and get me. She did say it was okay if it was late. It's on her. uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I step outside. There's still no car. I'm still out in the middle of nowhere. There's there's 40 guys inside this pub, but there's no there's nothing there. When I look across the two lane highway, there's this gravel path up and over this berm. So I walk up this thing. Turns out these fishermen were were all in training. They I'd gone back in and learned all this. They were still in training. They had been fishing on the uh, the, the Irish Sea, and this is a popular spot for fishermen to go and eat and drink. After a shift. And so there were these two fishing boats parked at the dock. And, uh, and that's who I ended up having just the time of my life with. Huh.
1: So here's my question. Yeah. Why did your friend just drop you off here with no food and leave you behind to begin with?
0: You know, some could argue that it was a <laughs> gift. Um, I found out later she was kind of pissed. She had hacked into emails I was sending to friends back home, uh, and she nice. was upset with th- some of the things I had said. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that was it. I think, I think it was a genuine gift. She just didn't realize that a bed and breakfast didn't include dinner. Yeah. Which seems
1: obvious. Yeah, I guess. I would assume you'd get... I don't know. I don't know. I've never been into bed and breakfast. I would assume breakfast and and dinner go with the package.
0: Oh, you and Meg have got to try a bed and breakfast sometime. I know.
1: Charlie said that, too. That's great. Yeah. I'll do it. All right, good. I'll do it. Uh, Um... Let's hear your your pub story. Well, it was just like it, there's no real story to it. it. It was just like
0: oh god. Now I feel bad for him. No, 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 it was great. No, it was good. It
1: was interesting. Uh, uh, I just like loved. It. First, I mean, I was in a bunch of different pubs this week, and every one of them is totally different. Unlike an American bar, it, you're just like in a parlor. And, and, like, one pub I went into, it's just, like, the bartender and this guy, and they're just talking in Irish to each other, which is a beautiful musical language. It's just, like, incredible to, to listen to. And it's, just like, really quiet, and, like, people come in, and everybody knows each other, and, and you chat, and you sit by the fire. Every place has a fire in the center of it, and you warm yourself by the hearth. Right. I mean, I was in this one place where there's a bunch of pictures on the wall of the town that I was in, Kilfanane, uh, uh, County Limerick. Uh, um, and this picture is going back 100 some odd years, hundred twenty years, and it is exactly the same. There's nothing. It looks exactly the same. Nothing has changed. Uh, um, it was just like this, like amazing thing of like, oh yeah, this is just like how these people live in these small dairy towns. Mm-hmm. This is the other thing I found out too. I was someone was explaining to me the difference between um, dairy farmers and and sheep farmers. That sheep farmers. Really, only need to bring their sheep to town like once a year for for to sell them or butcher them or or shear them or whatever the hell it is. Right. Whereas, uh, um, this is going back like uh, two hundred years. Um, two hundred years ago, dairy farmers uh, uh, um, had to go into town twice a day to sell their milk, and the town had to be close enough that the milk wouldn't go sour or get too warm when they were taking it into town, uh, um, and so. So two things happen. First, the dairy farmer lifestyle is way more sociable than uh, a sheep farmer lifestyle. Sheep farmers spend a lot of time by themselves and the mountains tending to the flock. Mm -hmm. Dairy farmers have to go to town all the time and they have to wait in long lines and, and interact with people. So they become very social and very friendly. The second thing is All these small towns start popping up in the middle of nowhere because they're just like focal points for all these different local dairy farms. They're all equidistant between the different farms, uh, which is why you just have in the middle of mountains these like four block villages that appear. And then a couple of hundred years later, now you have all these towns pocketing, you know, the Irish countryside, um, but they're super sociable. It's been this like culture of sociability and whatnot. Um, And so this is what most fascinated me. This town that I went to, it's all like you know, local people and, and farmers coming in, everybody is involved in amateur dramatics. There are more dramatic societies than you can fucking shake a stick at, dude. Everybody is in, there's the children's theater and then there's the, the, this other theater and then this company and then they have an annual competition with this company and everybody has to get to the church because they're gonna it's amazing that's,
0: it sounds like there's like a whole bunch of uh, untapped wealth there for the artistic world
1: that's what was so interesting I was there for this experimental uh, um, like uh, uh, artistic festival like sound design festival radio radio production and, and experimental music and, and you know just in the middle of the country and everybody is so into it you would not expect it at all it's all just farmers and shit and they're all like they love it. It was crazy. It was really, really interesting. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Fascinating yeah. stuff, man. It's,
0: it's tough, like, listening to you, uh, you know, to, of course, to, to paint the scene for the listeners here. Please. You know, of course, we've got uh, Grant Goldberg, uh, audio tech extraordinaire. Yeah. Uh, Evan Barden, I'm assuming, is on Facebook or YouPorn. Um <laughs> Uh, were, yeah, but like uh, while you're sitting here describing this behind, behind Lewis, Lewis Kornfeld the, the man, the myth the legend is the windows of, uh, and I'm like looking out onto New York City and it's just, to hear this, I'm like I really want to focus and imagine these small villages because it's, oh that's that's where my heart's at, yeah. but to look out behind you and still see New York City it's like, oh.
1: Yeah, I know I don't know. I know there's a, there is a, a kind of, there, you're very anonymous in New York and I like that a lot. That fits my personality. You can get, you can walk around the entire day without having to acknowledge anybody and nobody cares about you at all. And, and, and sometimes that's great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then there's also something of like, oh man, it, it was such a breath of fresh air to walk down a street and have everybody come up to you and be like, hello. How's it going? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A storm coming up later and, and just like, okay, well, see you at the pub. But you know? you're still anonymous. Like you're, totally. they,
0: they I mean, they care about you, yeah. but they don't know anything about you. They no. don't need to know everything about you.
1: Yeah. But they, they they don't but they also know everything that's going on. Like like this one guy was explaining to me, he was like, you know, if you hear a siren in the distance, you know mm. that somebody that you care about is in trouble. And then everybody just galvanize. run out to go find out who's in trouble and go like help them with it. And it's just like, oh man, I could spend a couple of years in this environment. I think,
0: yeah, I think so. You've but you're you're New York City for life, yeah, or have been. I have been. I don't know. Are you, you going to commit to it for life? That's a great question. We, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. I
1: was actually thinking about that when I got back because because uh, um, um, like I found like the pattern of my thinking was different when I was away. And, uh, and then I came home and, and, and I come back to like all of my normal, like anxieties and all my normal, you know, whatever, grappling with my sense of failure in this life and all that <laughs> shit. And it occurred to me of like, I wonder if that is just my environment. I wonder if like, if I'm in a different environment, you know what I mean? Like, cause I think of myself as being like, ah, I'm, I'm lazy and I'm unmotivated and I'm, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not pushing myself and I'm not spearheading projects I want to work on and shit. And all that stuff seems out of my character. But then I wonder, it's like, maybe I'm in the wrong place maybe, because like I go to this town and like, I could not be more excited to like st- start working immediately. Mm-hmm. You got to really twist my arm here to do anything. I hate getting out of my apartment. Right, I hate it. Um, but then you travel someplace, and it's like, let's work, baby. Let's go make something. Let's let's make something happen. So I could. I I wonder if like I never entertain the possibility just because I've never been anywhere but New York.
0: Yeah, it seems like it'd be worth trying. I think so. Right. Yeah, I think so.
1: It would be. I could see myself like. I don't know. I'd want to try like spending starting with like a summer in Vermont or something. And then, like, maybe try like I don't know, San Francisco, or 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 like I was a big fan of Portland, Oregon when I was out there. Minneapolis is another amazing city. Have you been to Minneapolis? I've not. Minneapolis is I I, I can't vouch for it in the winter time, mm-hmm. but Minneapolis is a super cool place. Super cool place. Thriving artistic scene. Culturally surprisingly diverse. I uh, don't want to move anywhere the,
0: like the winters are worse than they are. Well, that's in New the York. problem.
1: Yeah, and and uh, New York like. It doesn't even pale in comparison to Minneapolis. Minneapolis is like a true blue oh, yeah. winter. Yeah.
0: Well, New York. I mean, even uh, even Kansas winters can be worse than New York for sure. But you know, you've got the benefit of having a car that's parked in a garage that's yeah. connected to your house, so you don't actually have to walk in this shit for 18 minutes or whatever.
1: Well, that's the big thing about New York winters is like the biting winds because of the buildings, because the wind tunnels, and and it's just gross.
0: But we're but we're close enough to the ocean to make a difference, right? Yeah, I think so. It seems that way to me anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm in love with uh, Milwaukee. Love Milwaukee. Never been there. Milwaukee and, um, and Albuquerque mm. are two cities that, for one reason or another, absolutely love. But Milwaukee can kiss my ass in the winter. That yeah. place is so awful. Yeah. And the closer you are to the lake, it's 20 degrees difference. Like, being on the lake or just being half a mile off of it, it's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: See, I'm going to be stuck with this, uh, getting into my personal business. I, I kind of prefer, I have, a, I have a better tolerance for cold than I used to. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would rather be in an environment that veers towards slightly cold than an environment that veers towards too hot, you know. But Megan uh, um, has, has like a circulation thing where if it falls below 70 degrees Fahrenheit, she just becomes like an ice cube. Right. So, uh, any dream of uh, uh, time in Minneapolis is, is not going to happen.
0: Go with Vermont then.
1: Yeah, I, Vermont is cool, man. Oh, Vermont we're getting, is
0: great. Everything worked out for your future, right? I now. I feel
1: really good about this conversation. This is great. Let's talk about theatrical competitions and contests. Oh, Just going all back right. to Ireland for a second. All right, you were involved in some of that stuff in college, were you not?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I competed in the American College Theater Festival a couple of times. How does that go? What
1: do you mean? What, like I've never done that. What, what? Who's competing? How does the competition work exactly?
0: Well, uh, the different colleges all over the country that uh, participate in it are they'll they'll put up shows that are then open for judgment by uh, other universities who will then send representatives to basically go judge the show. Uh, I believe they even offered up critiques a cup for a couple of the shows that we did, and. Uh, they nominate either performers or, or the show itself, one or the other, or both, uh, that then get sent to a regional competition where if it's a show, the whole show gets put on. Uh, and then you're judged by the regional judges. If you get past that, you go to a national level. And the last I heard those were still happening at the the Kennedy center, Hmm. but, uh, yeah, that's kind of how, how that goes. How far did you make it? Uh, I never made it past the regional stuff. Mm-hmm. I, a couple, the couple of times I got nominated for my own stuff, um, they had recently announced that they were going to give basically extra credit if you did something classical, something like Shakespearean. Which you hate. Which I despise, uh, but I'm competitive, so I wanted that edge. So I did a scene. Uh, uh, what was it? I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. I did a, a Shakespearean scene with a friend of mine, uh, Ange Peckham, who is a phenomenal actress and really good at doing Shakespeare stuff. And that was the note I got was, Hey, in a competition, it's great that you, you know, that you, you went and you took this, but you need to make sure that your partner isn't better at the material than you are Oof. because it's like, well, I mean, it was a great compliment to her. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't see myself going on anyway. I didn't have any illusions of that. Yeah. So. Did you ever
1: hear Dave Pesci? Dave Pesquiz, won uh, uh, like a uh, Jefferson Award in Chicago one time for like best actor in in uh, like a like a David Mamet play or something. And his acceptance speech was: "I was always taught that the the primary job of an actor is to make the people around you look really good. So the fact that I won this award means that I failed at my job. I'll try harder next. time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Great speech. Oh, genius. What is it about Shakespeare that you hate out of curiosity? Because I've heard I've heard you and Dan Farrell get into this before.
0: I, it's it, it's just too much damn work. Uh, like when I go to see a show or watch a movie or even watch a TV show or something, like I like I like being able to allow myself to be swept away mm-hmm. in whatever they're creating. Like that's that's your job. Take me out of this world and put me in yours. And if I have to sit there and put all this extra effort into understanding uh, what you're saying or the situation if it's just too much work it's just too much work Mm -hmm. and i find a lot of people that get excited by it uh they usually fit into one of two categories either one they they genuinely like it or two they like to say they like it Mm -hmm. and i cannot stand the that second group Mm -hmm. drives me nuts Mm -hmm. so i just I've accepted the fact that I don't like it and I'll distance myself.
1: That's exactly why I get so amazed when I see something Shakespearean that does work for me or is really well done. And then all of a sudden it's like, it cuts through these like, it's like the clouds are parting and you're getting like this like clarity of like, Oh, of course that's how, like I'm thinking of Mark Rylance right now. There's a, they actually just took down from YouTube. There were a bunch of clips of Mark Rylance performing in like Richard the second and Richard the third and Henry the fifth and shit. And, uh, um, uh, you look at that and, and and it's like oh, That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it, it, it's so. Well, that's like,
0: you, that's how you know when they did it well. Yeah, is that you're able to just sit there and go with it,
1: and you're entertained by it too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which which can happen. It really can happen. Yeah. Um, I've seen amazing performances and been like, okay, all right, you got me that time. Yeah, you win this one, Shakespeare. Yeah. But generally, no.
1: So, what's stuff that you put up at these contests that uh, uh, you did like doing? That wasn't just a competitive streak, but was was work that you felt uh, uh, was worth showing.
0: Gosh, uh, we did uh, again uh, to, to to throw back to my friend Ange in college. We did uh, Oliana, hmm. and that's one that I would love to try again uh, to to be a to portray like a forty year old. 50-year-old college professor who's worried about tenure and buying a house and all of these things weren't things that I could really relate to as a 20-year-old kid mm-hmm. doing college theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the show itself is its really cool. And, of course, it being a two-person show, you're on stage the entire time just a performer you love. Uh, but uh, did, that, did that even answer your question? Was yeah. that part of your... Oh, okay. yeah. That's great.
1: It's a great answer. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going for. Oh, oh, got it. You were, uh, okay, so you you hail from, uh, uh, you did work in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. I had the good fortune of uh, uh, visiting Topeka a couple times. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, And seeing your, not your college, but the the theater that you used to work at before you came out to New York. A state of the art, what's the name of the Uh, the theater? Topeka
0: Civic Theater.
1: There you go. State of the art facility, dinner theater facility. If I remember.
0: It's the oldest continuously running dinner theater west of the Mississippi.
1: Wow how how far does that go back a hundred plus okay uh, um state of the art I was blown away by it by it's like it's like a like a real performing art center
0: yeah oh you should have seen what they had before they we operated out of a uh, a rail car really and all, yeah it, it was almost like a little black box but it it was the the rail car was actually it became the bar uh but same kind of thing like dinner theater uh tiny tiny space, and then this school opened up uh, this old elementary school and we were, it, it was always like, boy, wouldn't it be neat if we could do this? And a, we'll say a fan of, uh, of the theater. Uh, I'll, I'll hold back her name. But, uh, she was like, you know what? I want you guys to have this. Here's a million dollars. And that kicked off, uh, a campaign to then raise 5 million to purchase it, build a whole new theater attached to it. And now that space is insane. Yeah that uh uh uh
1: benefactors man
0: yeah right we got to get us some of those for sure
1: did you hear that john waters had a quote not too long ago that i really enjoyed he was talking about like people get up in arms about like rich people you know and he's like you got to pull your head out of your ass you can't it's it's not that rich people are bad and and not rich people are good it's that they're assholes everywhere He's like, what I'm against is assholes. Uh, (laughs) But the thing is, like, there's very decent rich people out there. And don't forget all you artists that historically artists have to be subsidized by rich people. There's lots of good ones who do it, too. I just I don't know. That was one of those things of like, yeah, cool. I did. Man, Benefactor. It's true. How did you get involved with with that in in, in, and we're so I know you did short form for nine years at that specific uh, um, company.
0: Are you looking for my theatrical background? Yeah. My history? Yeah. Uh, I'll give it to you in a nutshell as quick as I can. Oh God, please. Uh, <laughs> even Evans rolling his eyes, uh, Grant's asleep. Uh, the pigeons have fallen <laughs> off the windowsills out front.
1: I should say, by the way, we're sitting in studio, uh, uh, J I J. I. We're in Studio J at the training center, and mm-hmm. right outside our window is a, a gorgeous view behind me, oh, a behind gorgeous you, yeah. view of the Empire State Building. And we were in this current uh, uh, facility for, like, three months before I realized I was looking at the Empire State Building. Yeah. I had no idea. I, I one, remember, one day I just, like, looked up further and was like— Jesus, it's right there That's what
0: happened to me Like when we did our first tour of it And it was like I thought you guys said there was like You could see the Empire State Building It's like literally right next door Armando's full of shit Yeah And then you realize Oh no, it's because it's right there Yeah I'm an idiot Yeah, it was a nice discovery
1: Yeah Topeka, Kansas Uh, Yeah,
0: so Topeka Um, Okay, so Basically, I got into theater on a dare Uh, I was being I wasn't (laughs) I, I was not a popular child uh, and in junior high, I dared to audition for a uh, for a musical. And I got up there and sang the theme song to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You
0: got it. Yeah. Uh, got cast in the show. And I was like, wow, this, this is really great. This is a lot of fun. Uh, and I carried that into high school. And in high school, I started getting cast in a bunch of shows that I wasn't supposed to get cast in, like the upperclassmen, the juniors and the seniors are supposed to get the roles. And, and I was pulling these things, which just helped tremendously with my popularity in high school. Uh, really? No, no, uh, no completely. In, in my, in
1: my high school, you could become very popular by doing well in theater.
0: Uh, you could, but uh, as a freshman taking the roles, the seniors and juniors were la- supposed to have Got it. really put me on the outs. Got it. Um, But yeah, so I did, uh, I did theater in high school and then, uh, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know you could go away to college. Hmm. So I stayed in Topeka and went to a law school to go, uh, to school for theater. Washburn University, go Ichabods! uh,
1: (laughs) Which is one step away from going to a theater school to study law. Yeah, it's it's like it's the one thing lower than that,
0: right? Uh, But yeah, no, I went to uh, I went to Washburn University, did a lot of shows there, and a friend came in. uh, She transferred in and told me about this world of improv. She's like, they're they're gonna offer this class. We have to go. We have to take this class. It's amazing. You're gonna love improv. Um, and on the first day she asked the instructor, Hey, we know that you run a short form, uh, show. We would like to be a part of it. And I was like, well, let's see how the class works out. Two weeks later, he invites us on to, uh, onto his team. It, uh, previously called laughing matters, uh, they had to change their name for legal reasons
1: they were sued by the producers of family matters on abc that
0: that must have been what it was yeah. uh, no i think there was like another improv group in atlanta or something that was like hey you you can't have our name Yeah. Ugh, why fight it yeah. um but anyway that group's been around for a long time but uh, but i got into that did short form with them for 9 years and then was also a part of a number of productions i think i was trying to think back like i, I believe i've been uh, in over 75 different theatrical productions, not in counting, not counting improv, wow. like straight plays, musicals, whatever. Um, but I did a lot of that through, uh, through Topeka civic theater. And then I decided one day to wonder what New York's like. I want to, I want to give this a shot yeah. and no joke. Two days before I left, Uh, a friend of mine back home said, you know what you should do is you should look into this improv thing in New York. And I didn't know you could do improv outside of Topeka Civic Theater. I didn't know it existed. I had heard of something called Second City, but that might as well have been, you know, Hollywood. Um, So I moved. It was kind of like my college experience. I didn't know you could go away to college. I didn't know improv existed outside of TCT. Um, But yeah, so I moved out here. It turns out Second City used to have a training facility. Kind of, well, they didn't have a facility, but they had a program here. So I did Second City for uh, however many levels they offered here. Jump ship, went to UCB, and then heard about this guy, Armando Diaz, opening a Magna Theater. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about Second
1: City because I've heard <clears throat> I've heard from a few people that um, like Second City never really had their heart in. New York they kind of they kind of came out here and started working but like never really put in the effort to to take root and then kind of like closed shop overnight right
0: yeah it was um I'm I'm also kind of fearful that uh the group that I was with had something to do with closing it Hmm. because we they they didn't have a steady space every week you wondered where your class was going to be um and it got really frustrating when you would show up to where the classes would typically take place, to then find out, oh no, hey guys, we're we're ten blocks away. We're at a different spot this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up putting together a, uh, uh, a a fairly negative email to Second City about how upset this whole how upset we were with the whole training program, and got all of the classmates to sign on to this email. And once everybody agreed that like no this is what they're doing out here is kind of bullshit we sent it off and it was it wasn't but uh, a week or two later that Second City was like that's it we're done in New York
1: they just sent you an email and then are like classes are cancelled yep wow
0: like uh, oh oh alright
1: oh, Jesus So did you, we do that you guys broke the east coast manifestation of Second City
0: I don't I don't want the credit or responsibility for that. And yet you took the action. You but don't want the credit. I might, have, I might have. Sorry, sorry it's sorry, Not me, my, my class. We uh-huh. all agreed to this. <sighs> guys, it's my fault. <laughs> I came here today to apologize, to try to deny, <sighs> and then apologize.
1: Beth at Second City, if you're listening to this, <laughs> give us a second chance. Come on. We can
0: do this. We can do this. We have the means. We Beth, can rebuild it.
1: Matt, we love you. We love you. Please come back. <laughs> Uh, um, what were classes like at Second City? I, I, I've always been really curious about them.
0: Uh, it was, uh, honestly, to me, it felt a lot like what Magnet was. Um, it, it felt going from Second City to UCB was jarring. Uh, going from UCB to Magnet was equally as jarring, but also comforting because it felt like what I had been doing at Second City for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, a lot like Magnet it was uh it was it was very truthful, less gamey um very honest work were you great. guys
1: doing long form were you just focusing on scenes or or like what was the what was the what was the focus of the program uh, scene work yeah,
0: yeah, it was all long form stuff there weren't any particular forms I remember messing with um yeah.
1: And then were there shows involved too, or or you're just studying scene working? Yeah,
0: they didn't have a space. They never rented a space. There was never a show.
1: Yeah, that becomes kind of difficult if you don't have like a a, a venue to yeah. showcase.
0: We ended up breaking off, and uh, a friend of ours in the class was good friends with uh, Rob Weber, mm-hmm. who was doing the Johnny Lunchpail stuff. Amazing group. Yeah, a fantastic group. Check them out. Um, but they they actually took us in and we were allowed to open for them for, I don't know, probably three different performances of theirs. Wow. Uh, which for me was I hate to say it, but it was almost like I wanted to hurry through the performance and get my ass in the seats to watch the Johnnies. They were that good. They're, they're that
1: good. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a couple of their shows when I first started, and they, like— Yeah. It was a totally different ball game with those guys.
0: They're phenomenal.
1: They saw—I was actually talking about this in class yesterday. I, uh, they're the only group I've ever seen do this, and normally I would I would say don't do this, but I really loved it. They were doing a show, and, um, like, ten minutes into the show, the show was, like, really shitty, And ten minutes into the show, one of those guys was like, "You know what? I think think we can all agree that nobody wants to carry on with this show. Uh, uh, Can we get another suggestion, please?" And they just completely started a new show, and it was great. And then the rest of it it was like opening the window after like someone took like a real stinky fart in the room. It was like, well, we could sit here and just all breathe in this fart, but like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. That's what was so fun about those guys was like, uh, um, they kind of like broke rules all the time to just, like, keep the play going. Yeah. You know, and, and that was, like, that was a cool thing to see.
0: There, yeah, yeah. You, I suddenly had this image while you were describing that of, uh, you know what I should build is uh, a Nintendo, like, the classic Nintendo box, the game console yeah, itself. Sure. I want to build... Uh, just on the wall of the magnet, that reset button. And if at any time during a magnet show, somebody's like, oh, geez, I know you guys can do better. (laughs) You smack the reset. It's almost like the gong show, I guess. You smack that reset button, and everybody's like, okay, back to one, guys, back to one. I've had a few times
1: where uh, I've certainly felt like, oh, God, that would have been the way to go. If only I had the courage to just, like apologize and move on and yeah. you're never supposed to apologize for what you do but realistically you find yourself in shows every now and again where it's like oh that would be the smart approach is right. like cut our losses and start again and, Dude, and you could get away with that maybe dan would be so pissed at me yeah dan would dan would never let dan me dan, dan wouldn't talk to me for for a year
0: dan will he's he's the whole uh 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 dr. Strangelove, like he will ride that bomb right into the ground <laughs> yeah. uh whereas other people will be like hey you know there's there's alternatives, yeah,
1: well, dance thing I like I remember uh, we're kind of skipping ahead in time a little bit, but I remember I, I caused like a big fight one time in the boss in a rehearsal because dance thing is is Dan Farrell great amazing improviser great the most Fantastic. talented actor I've ever met, amazing yeah. um. Who oh I'm sorry did you guys encounter each other in college I know that he also did the the um
0: We had to have been at the same uh the American College Theater Festival uh the one that I competed in the most uh or the biggest I guess was at um was in Iowa okay. and he had to have been there yeah. he had to have been there Yeah I think it would have been towards the tail end of his career and like the beginning of mine Yeah but yeah college career Hmm Anyway, his yeah.
1: whole thing is, like, you just commit 100%. You get into your character, and and until those lights black out, there's not a moment where you break that character. You you were just absolutely that person. And, like, I went through this phase where, like, I, I thought it would be kind of cool of, like, what if we, like, talk to the audience periodically or, like, whatever? And I remember suggesting that in a show of, of like, well, we could slip in and out. Of, it's not like people don't realize that we're acting. We right. could slip in and out of characters and, and and comment or something or engage the audience, and, and he'd like,
0: Lewis Would not, is defiantly crossing his arms. I just and remember it was bringing like a, his shoulders up to his ears. It was like a big
1: thing. It was a real like yeah. ideological debate. And, and anyway, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go ahead and do that. Johnny Lunchpail, great team.
0: Johnny Lunchpail, great. Dan Farrell, amazing great improviser, improviser yeah. great actor. Yeah. Hardcore commitment to yes. everything he does. Yes,
1: very serious. Guy. And
0: like you said, uh, there's occasionally there are those shows where you feel like it's getting away from you. And you wish you could press that reset button or, or you find yourself, um, and I'm, oh, I do this and I hate myself every time I do it. I'll find an excuse to get off the stage mm-hmm. and then I'm backstage like, Oh got pulling my hair out. Like, what do we do? What do yeah. we do? Like, I have to shoulder the burden. It's like, no, no, no. Come on. The team's got this. You needed to stay out there. Don't be such a pussy. Let's yeah. go.
1: Yeah. But you got to do something. And and, and like Stephen Colbert and and Jeff Michalski both talk about like loving the bomb. You got to love like the best moment is when you sent when you're bombing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And their whole thing is when you're bombing, that's when you're like most you're totally present in this awareness that you're bombing. And that's the moment where it's really like a a high wire act and people are curious about what you're going to do next. That hasn't been my experience of it. (laughs) What do you do? What do I do when I'm bombing? (laughs) Yeah. Just try to hold the course i i will yeah. go the opposite route of you I, I I'll try to get out there i think, but I'll try to like really like invest in in kind of like the drama of the scene or the groundedness of the scene, but that usually doesn't work. I remember this is a painful story I remember uh um like our strategy as the boss when we were out in New Orleans for that god awful experience. Yeah, we we so so are we going to
0: tell that story? Why not? Oh man,
1: we went out. This was like this. this kind of scarred us for a long time. We were for actually. Long, it's
0: what kept us from going. It kept us anywhere. from traveling.
1: We were, and we were babies about it too. To be honest, we should have just picked ourselves up and just yeah. got back on the circuit. But this stopped us from traveling for years uh, when we went out to New Orleans and and. Um, uh, we went out with a few magnet teams, and everybody had a great show. And 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 then we went up. We were supposed to do a twenty-minute set.
0: Mm-hmm. And They were going to uh, to flash the cell phone light the from the booth at, to let minutes. us know, like, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, we took the stage, and these two women in the uh, at the front table. Uh, uh, just began heckling us immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't even open our mouths. And we were the only group that they were heckling. They were there for the whole fucking show.
0: They started heckling us the second we hit the stage. And if... It wasn't heckling like, you suck. It was heckling like, now do this. Yes. Oh, oh, hit him with that teapot. Yes. And it's just nonstop suggestion kind of heckle.
1: And they kept on calling out suggestions throughout the show. Like we're in the middle of, and and we, you know, at that time we were like very invested in like slow comedy and, 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 and we're improvising plays and we have a lot of integrity to our characters and all that stuff. And uh, I I, like, I do remember at one point it started becoming personal. They started like actually like pointing out like things about our Mm. physicality and, Mm -hmm. and like calling that out and whatnot. And, and, our way of handling that was to ignore <laughs> it completely yes. and just keep ourselves totally invested in the show and, uh-huh. and and they'll eventually pick up on the fact that it's not that kind of show uh, and they'll eventually stop this and just let us get on with it. So I remember yeah. us like really investing in like trying to do like a yeah. serious like play or whatever it is. Yeah,
0: Grant shaking his head no, like, yeah. oh, you guys, you're idiots. No, you can't. Yeah, just yeah. It, Grant knows, Grant knows. Well, we oh, learned geez. this the hard
1: way. We learned, yeah, so you know. <laughs> you know, you know, so so. Not only did they not stop the heck of the whole fucking show, and we didn't uh, do shit about it uh, no, we until did, yeah, the, at the very end yeah, we did. And, yeah. and this was one of the most humiliating experiences of my life up until that point because I,
0: that I forget who did it, but it may
1: have been uh, you. It was me. You clapping you, I, clap and well, you go, freeze. I called out
0: freeze because she yelled out. <laughs> she's like, I hope the big guy talking about Charlie jerks off the little guy talking about talking about it was you. Me. Yeah, it was yeah me. so I I yell out freeze and and you know you're, you're in the middle of this this, this, this has been a totally set. serious yeah. show
1: this entire time and then all of a sudden there's a freeze, freeze. tag like, right it became a freeze
0: it. i call it out everybody just naturally freezes because that's what you're supposed to do and i walked lewis to the edge of the stage right in front of this woman like a moving bodies like thing a, yeah. like a short
1: form game of moving bodies
0: exactly and i started chirking <laughs> lewis off to completion till he on their table yeah onto their table uh, and I was like, there, you got what you want. Now shut the fuck up.
1: And then at that moment, Paul W downs climbs into the booth. No,
0: it was later. It was, was it later? later? We kept on going. Because we kept going because Jesus. we, we were looking, um, at that point in our career, uh, I was, I always kept track of our time and would kind of let us know like, Hey, we've got about five to go, whatever. And, uh, And we thought for sure, after that, it has to be a blackout. But then we kept going. We even got out of that scene, went into another scene, and it was during that part that the lights just mysteriously went down. And we found out later that the tech for this festival was having a fight with his girlfriend on his cell phone. So our 20 minutes had turned into 30 minutes of disaster. Paul Downs- Oh, it was longer on, than 30
1: minutes. We played for almost it? an hour.
0: Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. We, we Paul, got blocked
1: out at like 50 minutes or something. <laughs> by,
0: by Paul Downs, who was with Laser at the time- He sees what's going on. He's in the back row and, like, sees the tech arguing. (laughs) So he goes over, grabs the window, which is probably eight feet in the air, pulls himself up, looks into the tech booth, finds the light board, and just throws everything down, which blacked us out. In the
1: middle of, like, nothing. We were in the middle of of nothing. nothing.
0: And Paul didn't bring the lights back up. (laughs) (laughs) So he just let himself out of the window. So now we're on stage, like, okay, all right, they finally blacked us out. Mercy kill, thank God. Well, are they going to bring this back? (laughs) I remember a couple
1: of other things about that, too. I remember the the uh, like right before our set, this guy came on and he did his um, he did like a 20 minute impersonation of George W. Bush and he got the crowd heckling him like that was part of his show. And then they called us onto the stage to do our our totally opposite thing. I remember right after Uh. that show, one of the drunk girls came up to us and 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 said, I'm sorry, was I not supposed to do that? Yeah. After an hour of yeah. doing that and, and like
0: oh, I just God. remember Dan having nothing to do with her apology. I remember he,
1: he got like stony quiet. Oh yeah. He, he got like, like Dan, are you going to be okay? Yeah. Like that kind of quiet. So uh, then
0: what do we do? We're like, hey, let's get back let's let's go get some drinks and we walk two blocks and see this magnificent New Orleans mansion burning to the ground. To the ground. <laughs> And we stood there for like half an hour Dan just like silently weeping Charlie's head is in his hands
1: Oh god that trip was a (laughs) a
0: disaster
1: disaster.
0: Well then yeah we left there Uh, You and Charlie went back to the hotel room I went with Dan to Bourbon Street To just try to like drown our sorrows Uh, The first place we go into Dan and I almost get into a bar fight Yeah and then we—so we leave that bar, and the next bar we go to, uh, Dan puts—goes to an ATM, and the ATM ate his debit card. That's right. Uh, and it was like, just—we gotta stop. That's right. It's it's time to go home.
1: As I remember, those of us who went back to the hotel room, too, like, we, we bought uh, some, some weed off of somebody mm-hmm. and uh, smoked to try to calm ourselves down, and the weed was fucking laced with something. <laughs> and so we all started— <laughs> <laughs> we all <laughs> had these like night terrors all night. We didn't know like what was going on. What an amazing trip! Yeah, and then we stopped traveling for years. Yeah, that 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 did it. I remember the very next thing that we did, we went back to Kansas and did uh, 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 did the Kansas show, which was yeah. more an excuse to just go hang out, uh, yeah, uh, in in your hometown and and meet your friends and and just have a great time. And, it
0: was also kind of a trial run to see if we could get back on that horse. Yeah, kind and of it, thing.
1: it wasn't a great show. But it was a fine show. It was. Whatever. The second show was all right. Second show was all right. First show was a little bit. I think we were kind of uh, uh, anxious and, and, and probably like uh, we're taking shots before we really had a good aim in our sights. And
0: I hadn't slept in 36 hours. And wow. you guys had like encouraged because so many of the people out there were like friends or family of mine. You guys are like, oh, yeah, you, you get out there and do this. And I was just punchy. I've actually got a recording of that Friday show. I don't want to see it. Uh, it's awful. I don't want to know it. The Saturday one, though. Do you remember what happened after that show? No. Oh, it was incredible. After our set, uh, we got a standing ovation. And during our, like, curtain call, and we walked off stage, and they refused to sit back down. Really? You don't remember this? No, I don't. Then the guy who, uh, who ran the show was, like, he was looking at us like, I'm not taking the stage again. Like, you guys need to come out. And we had to do a second curtain call. Wow. And, uh... And so we were like, "Wow, you guys are really, like, really receptive and warm." And holy cow! And he's like, "No, no, no. We've, I've never seen that happen before here. Hmm. You don't remember that? Not at all. Oh, all right then.
1: What did we do? What was the show? Was that the show with the guys? Like the guys kept on breaking into everybody's houses and stealing their TVs? I
0: never remember shows. Yeah, I really don't.
1: Yeah, Charlie remembers shows really well. Yeah,
0: well, let's get him on the phone. Is yeah. there? Do we have that technology?
1: We do. We must. How right? hard is come, that?
0: Come on. It could take a
1: few minutes, but, uh, we could do it.
0: <laughs> we should totally call Charlie up and be like, hey, man. It's actually not a bad idea. What? Can we
1: get Charlie on one line and Rebecca Robles on the other line? <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, uh, when I first joined the team, I'm like backing up again. Well, uh, actually, let's check the time and see how much detail I can go into with these conversations. Oh, okay. Uh, um, uh, I remember when I first joined the boss, you guys were already together for a year or so before I, I was. like six team. months, wasn't it? No, it was a little longer than that, I think. You say so.
0: Maybe, maybe not. It was pretty soon on. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Oh, the original boss guys, though. Oh, That was a crazy team. Charlie Buttermore and Beth Cartier. Hey
1: Dan. Dan. Hugh wasn't on the team yet, right? He's no, he strange. was an original member. Was he? Oh, Hugh. No. Hugh. No. Uh,
0: no, Hugh was added after you, I think. Wasn't he?
1: No, he was on the team when I joined. Okay. Um, he was not an original member. Greg Greg, Greg Walker. Walker was on it, yeah. Uh, uh, you, Charlie Dan, and Eileen. Eileen. Is it true that the team got named uh, because you guys were at the bar and, and the thing yeah. was the next song that comes on on the jukebox is going to be our team?
0: Close. Uh, we were We were down to um, Second Becky and um, uh, Bastille. I,
1: I still like second <laughs> Becky a lot.
0: Yeah, it, uh, yeah. Uh, and the whole we were at, um, oh, what's that bar? Molly Weeds? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all at that table, or at a table arguing forever and uh that's when um born in the usa came on mm-hmm. and eileen said to me she was like oh fuck it that's it we should just be the boss and uh i just just kind of i was louder about what she had just said i just repeated exactly what she had said to me to everybody and i think at that point we were all just so tired of arguing it was like fine it, was that's a fit. it. Yeah, good because they even uh, at the point they I'm separating myself. Uh, we were arguing so much that even after it was like, fine, good, it's resolved. We still fought for a year as to whether we were the boss or just boss.
1: The, the that Yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat>
1: we've had as a team, we've had some pretty intense fights over nothing. Every
0: good team has got to have some of that.
1: That's what I, when I joined the team, so the team was together for a little less than a year when I was, when I was put on, and um, I remember two things re- really clearly. First, I remember you and me being kind of wary of each other at first. Like, we were both a little bit nervous that that we were going to get along. And you told me yeah. that later on, that you thought, like, oh, yeah. what are we going to connect about? We're very different people. Right. But uh, we got on almost immediately. And now yeah. years later, I've visited Kansas with you multiple times and, and uh, going to Vegas and all yeah. kinds of uh, a uh, 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 friendship for the ages, oh, my man guys The other thing, in the early days, this was years ago This was like, the boss was was part of the second round of house teams mm-hmm. First round of house teams um, Baby on a Corner was in that first round, right?
0: Yeah
1: First round of house teams were like Just Armando put people It was who we had and he put them together in those combinations That ran about six months,
0: I guess Keep going. Can you hear? I can now.
1: Okay. Um, uh, And then that second wave was like trying to get more specific with the combinations of people. And uh, I remember the thing that really impressed me about the boss when I joined was like um, everything was a fight and everything was a late night discussion into the early morning hours and nothing got resolved and 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 nothing was good enough that was kind of the big thing about that team and there's a lot of pressure into that and i think it pissed a lot of people off and it probably made us unpopular at the bar because we could become very clandestine and and not fun to be around i guarantee it i just remember how serious everybody was about like really nothing was good enough we had to mm-hmm. keep on pushing and finding like better ways to do stuff, and and you know we've kind of I think gotten away from this because we've been together for so long that that it, the team's like more comfortable, you know. But yeah, it's but,
0: it's almost like our fights now. We we kind of already know what everybody's different yeah. viewpoint is going to be, so there's less explaining yourself yeah. in fights anymore. Yeah,
1: but those like when I joined the team, those fights were exciting and like led to really great work too. I there were, we had a, a round of shows that that I still think were like. Charlie talks about the um, Memorial Day show. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't remember exactly. Maybe you can remember. At the time, we were doing like a paint the scene opening, Mm -hmm. and that turned into the opening scene. Right. And then that turned into a series like a Jazz Freddy style tag out thing where we would go into the past and the future, right? I believe so. And then there would be more painting of the scene to get us to a new location, Uh, 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 And then we would start slowly kind of tying these different characters together. Uh, um, uh, I'm not even like describing that really well, but it was just like everything was so kind of experimental about that. I remember being like super, super focused on the mechanics of how we're supposed to be putting these shows together.
0: What am I getting wrong about that
1: show? What else were we doing?
0: I'm not good at remembering that. We've done so many different forms. Like you said, we've always taken it so serious. That we can't just say, you know, oh, we're going to do Jazz Freddy. We, you know, we we break down what each one is going to be. So there probably was a very specific formula to that show that I'm not going to remember.
1: I do want to talk very briefly about one of my happiest memories. Um, uh, For a couple of years, we would produce a show once a month called The Boss Presents. Oh, yeah. At a theater that is now defunct called the Sage Theater on 47th Street, 48th Street.
0: Yeah, I think the sign is still up there. sign is
1: still up there. Right. And how long were we doing that show? A couple of years. A couple of years. Mm-hmm. Every week for a couple, or every month every for a month. couple of years on a oh. Tuesday night, uh, we would do, we would invite uh, uh, like a variety of acts that we that we liked. I remember Roy Koshi mm-hmm. doing stand-up and, yeah, and like Damon, Damon, played Damon, guitar Damon and Ketron played guitar, um, all kinds of great people. And then we would do like our longer set. So we would do our normal 25 at the Magnet. Right. And then we would put up like a 45-minute set for ourselves at Boss Presents. And uh, um, beautiful cabaret-style theater. You could see like 200 people in the theater. Yeah. And uh, um, we'd get uh, kegs. And then after the show, there'd always be, we would just party until the keg ran out. So sometimes like 3 o'clock in the morning, you're partying until. And I remember uh-huh. like really hustling for that show and like you and Dan getting out on the street with like tickets and just like bombarding people in Times Square with tickets to drag them up. We had a couple of... Uh, of uh, uh, kind of crazy experiences,
0: yeah. A couple of like frat guys or yeah. something would come up.
1: That but. is like my, I kind of like glorify that period. You know, I was in my mid 20s at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, I just remember like as a team, we were hustling so hard to get people to come see our shows, yeah. Like that, that passion. And that thing of like fighting with each other all the time about what we were supposed to be doing on stage mm-hmm. continued on into like we were just working really hard to get people in seats.
0: Too. Yeah, uh, I miss I, I miss that. There's been a lot of talk about um, about that kind of thing with the Magnet in general, and I I miss those days of um, not the not the the Wild West that the Magnet was in its in its beginning. But rather that 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 real hustle and that feel of ownership that mm-hmm. seems to have kind of gone away. You don't see that anymore. Um, now, granted, maybe a lot of it has changed. You know, as, as I, I think
1: the scene has changed a lot since we started.
0: It it oh it has it most certainly has. But I don't I don't believe that like a Facebook event is a hustle. Yeah. Like I see barking in Times Square. That's hustling or. It, Pushing your cards out in Union Square or getting kicked out of Penn Station as we did, hustling out there with cards, trying to get people to come to the shows. Yeah. Like, I miss that stuff. Yeah. I miss that stuff. But like you said, the scene's I, changed.
1: I hated it. I hated doing it. I always hated doing it. I hated being in Times Square. I hated having cops come up to me. Um, but what it did do was it gave a real sense of team solidarity. And when you show up and you know that we all hate doing this, but we're all going together and and we have each other's back, I really felt like that carried over onto the stage, too.
0: It was one of those kind of face your fear sort of thing. It's like, I'm going to hate this, so I'm going to jump into it 150%. Could you imagine doing that now with Rebecca? Oh, God. I don't know what I'd be more afraid of. Like, trying to talk to people or seeing Rebecca (laughs) 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 get...
1: I was outside the theater. Like, I, I left the theater a few weeks ago, and Rebecca's talking to, like, a 12-year-old kid, and she's like, oh, Louis, I want to introduce you to my friend. This is James. <laughs> James is in junior high school right now, and uh, he's thinking about going to a technical high school next year for, uh, uh, because he wants to study engineering, and uh, anyway, I thought the two of you could talk about this thing, or, like, whatever. She's like, invested me in this conversation with the 12-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And then after the word, afterwards, uh, uh, we were walking to the bar, and I was, I was like, oh, how did you know James? Oh, I just met him on the street. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh Rebecca's the best.
1: Yeah, she is. It's yeah. She is.
0: God, I'm glad she's on the team.
1: Yeah. I uh uh um Yeah, man. The thing of like working really hard. And I still think that like it's my advice like for for teams who ask like how they could bond more. Like that thing of like producing your own show outside the theater. I think is really important because like to have to take those reins and have to organize shit and have to invest Mm -hmm. your time and have to figure out where to get drinks and have to figure out how to print tickets and have to run your own box office and have to, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff just kind of, I feel like it gave us cohesion as a group. I I feel like it really made us feel like, like no matter what, we're, we're a hundred percent invested in each other. And that helped a lot because we had a couple of 45 minute shows that, that kind of
0: tanked. Oh, yeah.
1: And it, it helped in that feeling that, like, oh, we're tanking together, brother. That right. Was, that was sort of the thing. You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. We all put this up here. Yeah. We're all doing it. We're all—nobody gets to escape.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I find it interesting that you were not popular as a youngster, a youngster, <laughs> uh, because oh, you're man. a natural storyteller and a natural host— and uh, you're one of those guys who, who gets everybody kind of involved in games and competition and you organize, you organize the fantasy football You know what's funny and, about and, that kind of
0: thing, though? Like, yeah. I like to get people motivated and together and I like people to feel like they're a part of it. But once it's established, I would much rather just walk away. Hmm. Like, great, you guys have an activity. Have fun. Yeah. That's terrible. That's interesting. That, yeah that 's that's how I am about that.
1: Where did that stuff come from? Where, how did you go from being an unpopular kid to to being uh, uh, um, like such a social? you guy? know
0: uh, a great friend of mine, uh, uh, Sarah Pantos, taught me a lot about like just just be who you are and stop worrying about trying to impress people i i, I can 't tell you how many nights I would come home like in junior high or high school and just collapse in the middle of the living room floor and ball. Uh, my mom once was like, she was like, I can't take this anymore. We're, we're going to go. Uh, and she bought like all the fancy clothes that all the popular kids are wearing, the Z Cavarici jeans and the whatever crap. And she spent a small fortune. And of course that shit doesn't work. Um, and then it was, it was, it was my friend, Sarah, who taught me, it's like, just stop caring. And once you stop caring about it, then you find that people are like, "Well, this guy's interesting. Hmm. Why doesn't he?" He doesn't He doesn't care. He's got something going on. Um, and then, of course, in theater, you learn really quickly on stage that if you don't have the confidence, uh, fake it. I learned an important lesson doing musicals, and that's if you're singing and you start hitting the wrong note, if you're going the wrong direction, commit commit like crazy to it the actors and actresses that start looking at you like uh, what the hell are they doing they're the ones who are going to look like they're doing something wrong Uh, so just go Uh, fake it just fake confidence
1: I think when you play that's something that you and Dan both have in common in, in different ways but uh uh like you're also like 100 commitment on stage but more of like a live wire than dan is with yeah. dan it's like he's going for like a, a a deep character choice right and and you're really good at kind of picking up of like okay the show needs something different right now and a lot of times you'll pull something out that's like what the hell are you doing yeah and then you just do it at like 100 what, what do we call it the team grenade the team grenade yeah. how, so how do you describe what what's your thought process when you're in the middle of a show
0: uh it 's kind of like we were talking about getting groups together or making sure that people are having fun or a part of the thing mm-hmm. like I like to drag pull people into a situation um, into the fun into the group uh, and so generally when performing, um, I want to make sure the audience is having a good time and having a uh, having fun with it it's it, there's a there 's a very fine line between breaking that fourth wall to do that and then bringing them in because you 're so committed um, And sometimes I'll find that uh, that it's not working, that even though we are as committed as we are to the character or the situation, that sometimes you have to throw something that's a little bit breaking that fourth wall to be like, guys, come on, I've got to get the audience in on this uh, or else what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're 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 not just up on stage to, to jerk each other off. You're up there to be entertainers and you've got to make sure the audience is on board. So,
1: unless you're in New Orleans at a festival
0: and then you're actually literally jerking, jerking each other off, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were uh,
1: uh, uh, not looking forward to this conversation, you were nervous about it. How are you feeling now? Terrified. Uh, all right, fine. How do you think this went?
0: Uh, well, I, yeah, you, you like somebody. Well, I, I ran across somebody, a poet from Kiss Punch Poem on Saturday night. I saw this guy and I was talking to him about the podcast, and he's like, podcasts are just introverts ways of like listening to somebody else have a conversation yeah and i was like oh all right so it's not like i'm up there and everybody's like okay what kind of improv knowledge and vernacular is this guy gonna drop and it's like ah it doesn't matter no 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 there's just people out there who want to hear people bullshit so this you know, you was know what, lewis and i <laughs> bullshitting you know what i think what's that
1: i think podcasts are dead
0: do you? Yeah, it's a dangerous thing to say. I
1: think they're done. Vaudeville, yeah. thats the future.
0: Uh, oh, we got to get on that. <laughs>
1: Quentin Loader, my friend. Thanks for talking. Louis, thank you. A great pleasure. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks to uh, 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 Grant Michael Goldberg, our engineer, Woo! and Evan Ford Barden, our producer. Thanks what, to Ed what? Herbstman, our executive producer, and Ooh. all the wonderful folk over <laughs> here at the Magnet Theatre. My um, guest has been Quentin Loader. I've been Louis Kornfeld. Thank you, Quentin. Thank you guys for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to The Magnet Podcast.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.